listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Are you ready to witness greatness? College fans, welcome to the biggest tailgate party in the nation. Different day, same recipe. Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Presented by BetMGM. The king of sportsbooks. We're setting you up with the information you need to watch your team win. Let's go! We're here to break it all down. Let's go, let's go. This is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Presented by BetMGM. Now, we're live from your tailgate. Here's Brian No, former Penn State All-American Rich Ornberger, and PicksWise lead betting analyst Jared Smith. Oh, good morning, everybody. Welcome in here. We have a beautiful... It's kind of like the price is right. You know how the models would kind of like... There'd be a car, and they'd do this great little... Oh, look at at the beautiful car. That's how I feel like I'm doing with the schedule. Look at the beautiful schedule over here. We got number one, Tennessee, against number three, Georgia. To highlight everything, I'm ready to go. How about you guys? I'm sure there is a spring in your step if you will here this is uh yeah this is a big weekend i mean in general in college football obviously in the nfl november is that classic time of the year it's kind of uh like we're getting ready to boogie here we're gonna find out who all the good teams are because good teams play great football in november so yeah i'm pumped up we got we have an excellent one to to toast to today this uh this tennessee georgia matchup but all of them are good Cheers, Jen. I mean, we're toasting. I have iced coffee with, you know, not very exciting. But, yeah, this this does feel like big boy weekend, right? Like, it feels like we're in November now. Every game – I mean, that's the beauty of college football is that every game really is just so important. But this particular week, it feels like a thinning of the herd. And we talked about it last week. I forget who had the idea to talk about the college football playoff rankings and what surprises we may see. And we thought Bama might be a little higher than people thought they were. But the Georgia-Tennessee dynamic, with Tennessee being the number one team and Georgia being the eight-point, now nine-point favorite, I think tells you that we need to get an odds maker in the college football playoff uh, you know, system to – Tell people that, yeah, I, I think your ratings might be a little off there, friends. <laughs> Number one seed, eight-point underdog. Make sense of that. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. And, you know, we will in a couple of minutes dive head first into this Tennessee-Georgia matchup. But just for a second, you guys alluded to it where I love that, that phrase there, Jared, the thinning of the herd. Mm. And this is a monstrous Tennessee-Georgia game because I can't see the loser getting into the playoff. No. And when this eventually does expand to 12 teams, which is going to happen sooner than later, a game like today won't mean nearly as much. And so I just posed the question, you're going to be cool with that. I look at it where you're just shifting the importance of games. You're shifting them from, what, November 5th? This game would be in December sometime. So you just kind of pushing it back, if you will. But it would be a lot different. The feeling of the magnitude of this game will be a lot different when we get to 12 teams in the playoff. No, that's a great point. It will. It will feel different. Um, but I think it's going to be an acceptable difference in urgency. I, I, you know, Let's face it, college basketball, I guess you would argue, is the second most urgent sport in terms of getting – 
regular season wins. Like when you when you weight wins against losses, you know, I, I think that probably is a sport with the least amount of wiggle room next to college football. Maybe the NFL edges it out. Um but with divisions, sometimes you can have oddities or if it's a bad year uh, conference wise, you know, with the wild card system, sometimes you could have oddities where a losing team actually gets in to the postseason in the NFL. Whereas in college basketball, that's impossible. You know what I'm saying? In college football, that's definitely impossible. But college basketball still works. Regular season college basketball is great because the urgency matters. So if you care about a team, that team needs to win if they're going to have a chance to play in March. Same thing with college football. And even the same thing with college football, if they expand this tournament to include uh, more teams, four goes to eight or four goes to 12 or even to 16 or who knows. I mean, bigger than that, you'll still have an insane amount of urgency on these games because just lose two maybe with 12 teams getting into a college football playoff and Georgia wouldn't make it. So there would still be urgency. It would be less. It would be less, but there would still be urgency. The the conference dynamic also, you know, I, I've been a, a, a opponent of the conference system for a few years now because I just, I think it actually hurts a lot more teams than it helps. And that's the one thing I'm most excited about with this new system is the conferences won't matter as much. Because right now, every other conference besides the SEC is fighting an uphill battle every year. The playing field will be a little bit more level when they kind of balance out this field a little bit. And it's going to make a lot more of these, for example, Wake Forest, NC State today, a little bit more exciting than it normally would be. For example, in this particular format, Wake Forest and NC State are completely done. But in next year's or the future format, there might be an opportunity for one of those teams to slip into one of those final spots with a ranked versus ranked November game like we're getting you know, later tonight in Raleigh. So it's going to make the games that are exciting but not top tier back into that top tier. And I think more opportunity for these, I don't want to call them middling programs, but in terms of the upper tier of college football, Wake Forest and NC State are in you know, the middle of that. They get a chance to now play on a bigger stage than what it normally would be, and I think that's a very exciting thing for the, for the sport. Yeah, it's a good trade-off, no doubt about that. As we dive into Tennessee at Georgia, Georgia is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite right now. The total at 65, I don't know about you guys, it just seems weird with Georgia's defense to see a total that high. And we might get over today, but if you look at Georgia, they average over 41 points per game on offense. So they're averaging almost 42. You've got Tennessee a tick over 49 <laughs> per game, but Georgia's defense only gives up 10.5 points per game. Only 10 and a half points given up by the dogs. And like last year, they gave up 16 touchdowns in 15 games. This season, they've given up, given up seven touchdowns in eight games. So pretty good. I they're going to give up some touchdowns today. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> but when you talk about matching points, it's it's Georgia's offense. Georgia's offense isn't as, as dynamic as Tennessee's. That's obvious. But Tennessee's defense isn't nearly as good as Georgia's. So I can't wait to see how this matchup plays out. Yeah, you know, I, here's what I will say, though. If I had my druthers to have a really strong defense at home against a high-octane offense – who's going to be on the road in a game like this where it's one versus three, 
I like that better than the opposite. If you like, I like the spot that I'm in. If I'm Georgia, a lot better than if I'm Tennessee because what what can slow an offense down obviously is to the advantage of Georgia today, which is having a home crowd behind you who can get loud, make it difficult to communicate, force some uh, mental errors because of a lack of ability to communicate up front on the offensive line or defensive front, right? Uh, Force some mental errors because of the pre-snap penalties that we often see in a huge, raucous, loud college football environment where an offense tries to take the show on the road. So I'm not saying that they're in the most favorable situation here, but it, they're in the more favorable situation here if you're you're talking about having strength on strength at a venue. You have your whole crowd behind you along with that 11-man defense that has stunned opponents all season long for Georgia. Yeah, and it was funny. I actually haven't looked at this until you guys kind of brought up the, the home road dynamic because I kept thinking to myself, man, what has Tennessee's big road wins been this year? Well, they almost shot themselves in the foot at Pitt very yep. early in the season. Yep. And that I would I don't want to compare that environment to this, but <laughs> then you look at their only other road game this year and it was at LSU at 11 a.m. local time, which if you're going to play LSU at, in Death Valley, that's the time to play them. So they've kind of avoided that big road atmosphere game this season until today. And we'll see how they handle that. Now defensively they're a little bit undermanned, but they're obviously, you know, there's some really good players behind Nolan Smith and, 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 and Jalen Carter. Now, Carter did return last week, limited role. We'll see how many snaps he gets today. I'm hearing snap count. Nolan Smith out, but Robert Bill Jr. is actually playing really well. He was the leading sack man last year, not producing as many sacks this year, but still getting after the quarterback, and the grades look pretty good. So we'll see if they can't cause a little bit of havoc in the backfield. They don't cause a ton of negative plays anyways. This Georgia defense is very firm. They don't break. They don't give up a lot of explosive plays. They don't get after you very much with havoc, but they just don't give up a lot of yards, and they make you beat them methodically, which is very hard to do in college football. We see this all the time. Two or three plays, four, five, six, seven yards, and then boom, the holding penalty, or boom, the negative play, or the run for zero yards, and then you're behind the sticks, and we'll see how Hendon Hooker handles that. I know we're going to dive into this game a ton. I really want to see, I know we're all going to be excited to see Hendon Hooker against this Georgia defense, but to me, this game will be won with Georgia's offense against Tennessee's defense. Georgia can win this game by making Tennessee, what, what do they say about college basketball? Teams that press don't like to be pressed. Mm -hmm. Georgia's offense can make this game that kind of vibe early, and they can turn Hendon Hooker into a little bit of an anxious quarterback. Oh, no, we're down 14-0. We got to make it up. And that's when the mistakes happen. That's when the negative plays happen. Again, we'll dive into this game, I'm sure, more throughout the course of the next three hours. But I want people to pay attention to Georgia's offense today because I think that unit might be the difference maker. It's kind of strange that you could even say – that the defending champions, who are ranked number three, this is a bit of a respect game for them. Absolutely. At least their offense, right? Like, if they play really well, they'd finally get their flowers because I, I think they've been off the radar to a large degree because Tennessee has beaten five ranked opponents. Georgia has beaten one, and that was Oregon in week one. So they haven't had these high-profile games. And, and we look at their... Offense, like it's a Tuesday mercy date, 
You know, we're just like, eh, I guess. I don't know. Like, but they're good. They've got some NFL guys on that side of the ball, too. I think we're just in this mode of looking at their defense. It's almost you guys have brought up basketball. It's a little bit like a basketball player where sometimes a player's strength lessens their other strengths, like you yeah. overlook them, where if there's a guy that's just a magnificent scorer, maybe you don't look at him as a, a great defender or a good defender. K- take Kevin Durant, for instance, right? I don't think his defense gets enough credit because he's such a great offensive player. It's a little bit like Georgia, so I think this is a bit of a respect game for them offensively. And, hey, if they hang a big number on Tennessee, if they score in the 40s, in a high-profile game like this, yeah, their offense is going to get a lot of roses today. Well, you know, and you again, the, the college basketball comparison is more apt than it's ever been to college football because in college basketball, we're so used to the one-off anomalous year from the college hoop star, right? That has been happening for a long time because more so in that sport than football, we've seen the transfer portal used. This has even been true uh, prior to the rule change where like, you have to sit out a year and that has been lightened, obviously, where you transfer and you can play immediately these days. Uh, even back then, we saw it in college basketball. And then you would have one great year from a college point guard or a power forward and then all of a sudden they could be a first overall pick or, you know, or a very least a high first rounder whereas in football we haven't seen that so I think part of the reason why Tennessee's offense isn't even getting their roses is because when you talk about Hendon Hooker you talk about a guy who this is really his only year of success at this level at this height so people aren't used to hearing his name so people don't don't really uh, apply the same respect to an emerging star in college football who's come out of nowhere as they would in college basketball because we're we're just more used to it in college basketball it just we consider it more of a plug and play sport whereas football really hasn't been it's like well this guy's been in the system for a while and he's backed up a couple of great quarterbacks at Tennessee and now he's got his chance and we'll see what he does or hey he's started since he's a freshman and he's got 3 <laughs> years under his belt and he's He's gotten better every year. So this is a year where he's really he's on the doorstep of greatness. It's like, no, Hennon Hooker came from, what, Virginia Tech and has been a journeyman at best his entire career. And all of a sudden he's exploded because he's been paired with an offensive coordinator who's like, you know what? I want to see him a little bit more off script and off schedule. I think he has the goods and he does. And he's proven it all year long so far. Helps when you have Jalen Hyatt. And Cedric Tillman, that those and and Hyatt right now, three point eight yards per route run. He leads the country in touchdowns of twenty yards or more. I mean, you could make a case that he's the Blitnikoff this year. I know there's a lot of other great players in that mix, but I, I would certainly put him into that category. Cedric Tillman back this week in more of an expanded role. Last week, very limited. I would assume they were telling him to relax last week. They didn't really need him a whole lot. Um, and I, I think we're going to see him, uh, I don't want to say unleashed, but certainly in, in a lot more uh, interesting uh, you know, formations, and, 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 and we'll see the snap count probably go up this week. Stetson Bennett on the other side, not in the, the Heisman category like Hendon Hooker is, but still a very accomplished quarterback in his own right. 
And this is a, this is one of those spots for him where he probably feels like, well, I'm not really getting talked a whole lot about this week. Everyone's talking about Hen and Hooker. Everyone's talking about my defense. I mean, it's a very familiar role for him to kind of be the, I don't want to say understudy on his own team as the starting quarterback, but that's not the guy that gets the attention on, on, on Georgia's roster. Well, he's played pretty well in these spots, and I know he kind of had some fumble issues in the national championship last year, but then came on late, played really well. This game will have that kind of feel to it, and we'll see if they can get the running game going. As good as Tennessee's been against the run metrically, early in that game last week against Kentucky, we saw some issues. 70% success rate against the run. Chris Rodriguez got going. They scored a touchdown in the first quarter, and then the score got so out of hand, Kentucky just abandoned the run. Can Georgia you know, establish that run early and then set up McConkie and Bowers, the big tight end, and get the play-action game going. The one thing I love about Todd Munkin, he is so good at disguising things. And you saw it in the game against Florida. Tennessee let just play-action and jet motion sweep, all that window dressing. Guys were wide open all over the field. So I I could see that being part of this game today. A lot of that disguise and the play action. But on the other side of the ball, Hennon Hooker just lines it up and throws it as far as he can, and he's got some guys on the field that can catch it down the field. So I'm excited for this matchup. I think the total's indicative of the kind of game we're going to see. And I'm not going to lie. I think Georgia might be, uh, might be a little undervalued in this spot, and that's why we've seen the line move a little bit this morning. Foreshadowing. Mm. I know foreshadowing when I hear it. it sounds oh, like yeah. A pick right well, there. You know me well enough by now, week 10 here. So. That's right. Hey, be sure to check out the new look and features in the BetMGM app. It's fast and easy access to the sports you love, whether it's live betting, the daily Lions Boost, or the cash out feature. And new users can use the code COUNTDOWN for a special offer that's code COUNTDOWN in the BetMGM app. We are off and we are running. We've got Jared Smith from PicksWise.com. He's their lead betting analyst. We've got Rich Ornberger. He's got a shaved clavicle, and he's a Penn State All-American. Huh? I, I kind of you make the shaved clavicle cool there, Rich. I kind of feel like I should have a, a shaved clavicle over you here. Should do it. You missing should do out, it, man. Yeah, I'm Brian. No, all right. Coming up next, one team made a big jump last week. Can they make another huge leap today? We'll dive into that. It's Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Welcome to the biggest tailgate party in the nation. You're locked into Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Touchdown! And it's presented by BetMGM. The king of sportsbooks. Once again, here's Brian No, Rich Ornberger, and Jared Smith. Oh, just about two and a half hours until kickoff, baby. That is right. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Countdown to Kickoff Show. It's presented by BetMGM. New users, download the BetMGM app today and use code COUNTDOWN for a special offer. That's code COUNTDOWN in the BetMGM app. Okay, so a team that's made a big jump, at least in the playoff rankings. How about this? LSU. LSU in the AP poll is ranked 15th when the bright, new, shiny playoff rankings came out on Tuesday. LSU jumped up five spots. They're number 10. So obviously, number 10 LSU, they are hosting number 6 Alabama. And LSU, about a two-touchdown underdog here. Go to Death Valley, you know, at nighttime, and you've got LSU plus 13 and a half. Obviously a huge game. It's funny because the marquee game is Tennessee at Georgia, and that's Mammoth in the SEC East. 
But this Alabama-LSU game, it means just as much in the SEC West because you lose this game, you are adios muchachos this season. You're not going to make it to the SEC title game. There's no playoff insight for the loser. Yeah, that's exactly correct. In in fact, over the course of the college football playoffs, eight-year history, a two-loss team has never been invited. So this game is for all the marbles, especially for this Crimson Tide team who has already had um, a huge loss on the road this season to Tennessee. But I think the matchup to watch in this one is LSU's run game versus Alabama's rushing defense. Uh, you have one of really probably the most underrated but dynamic rushing attacks uh, in all of the nation. Uh, What they do with Daniels at LSU and uh, running backs uh, Josh Williams and who's – oh, Goodwin. Um, They are – both incredible. I, I mean, there's no other way to put it. I, they are worthy of being in the top 10 discussion in terms of running backs in this country, and they share the same backfield. So, yeah, it's it's uh, an impressive rushing attack, and if Alabama can slow them down at all, this is going to be – I'm not going to call it an easy win. There's no easy wins when you're talking about two talented teams like these two, but it could be a cruise to victory, whereas this could be choppy seas if they let that, that Tigers run game uh, go wild here tonight. Yeah, how often is it, and Brian, I think you mentioned this on on the pod this week, that Alabama LSU is the undercard Mm. to the SEC big game of the week. Um, That is a fun little role reversal here, but Death Valley at night, LSU off the bye, Brian Kelly against Nick Saban, right? We've heard this one before. I know, Brian, you've, heard, you've been down this road before with this yes. matchup. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so they run this pro-style offense. It's a little bit different than the Notre Dame offense because Notre Dame did not have Jaden Daniels. They had Ian Book or, you know, or, uh, you know Brady Quinn. A little bit of a different animal here with Daniels. And I would expect off the bye, maybe they put a little more on his plate. He's had some good weeks and he's had some really good performances. The one, you know, analytical nugget I'll give to you about this game, and I think it sums up what we're going to see, too, up front for LSU against this Alabama defensive line. When Daniels is decisive, when he gets the ball out in two and a half seconds or less, his adjusted accuracy is over 80%. He is a really good quarterback. When he holds on to it for too long and that pressure gets to him, that accuracy drops by about 15%, and he's in the 65-70% range. So that's the key because LSU's offensive line has not held up well, and Alabama's got some dudes up front. You know the names. Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, Braswell. They get after the passer. So that's one side of the ball. For Alabama's offense – I mean, listen, we've, we've talked about their lack of explosiveness this season. I don't want to say it's muted, but it's not as explosive as years past. The one thing they have in their backfield that I think they haven't had in years past is a running back that is an absolute burner. They usually have the big brooding, you know, bulldozer types. Jameer Gibbs is a flat-out flash out of the backfield. I would love to see him get the ball 25 times today. We'll, we'll see. It hasn't happened yet. And, Brian, you made the note, too, about Eli Ricks back in the starting lineup for Alabama's defense. Absolutely huge. Former LSU transfer. Understands that rivalry. And this is going to be a fun game. I, I don't think it's going to be close, but I kind of hope it's close. But I, I would be surprised if Alabama doesn't 
distance themselves in this spot because I think on paper, even though LSU is a nice story this year, they're still better. Weird comparison, but maybe it's a little bit like the Eagles-Texans game. Follow me on this sure. one here. Sure, go ahead. Where it's, Lead me it's down the like, rabbit hole. Yeah, it's like a it's a twelve point margin, like Philly won, but you're watching that game like this is still competitive. Like oh, wow, yeah. Texans are like that pretty good. Like maybe you have that kind of game where Alabama still wins by a, a pretty comfortable margin, but it's competitive throughout. Like I'm hoping at least for that. And we very well could have that or more tonight. I wouldn't be shocked at all. This is not a Bama team that is unbreakable. And LSU has had some weird results. They get clowned in the opener against Florida State with the extra point that doesn't go through. And now here they are with back-to-back 45-point performances in SEC play and a chance to take down Bama and really start to seize control of the SEC West. They've got a shot. So very interested to see what happens today. I'm also very interested in this next game. It is an absolute if you could make something ugly uglier we had that happen last week and it leads us into what might happen today we'll get to that let's go acc matchup of the day all right it is wake forest against nc state wake is number 21 nc state number 22 in the country so it is ranked versus ranked We've got NC State as a three-point home underdog at BetMGM here. It's at night, 8 p.m., and here's the deal. Making ugly, uglier, that happened last week. That was with Wake Forest. The slow mesh, maybe not the most beautiful thing you've seen with your eyes, where you kind of like act like you're handing it off. Am I going to hand it off? Am I going to hand it off? No, I'm going to throw it. It's just that the whole game, and they turned it over eight times last week eight times for wake forest but uh definitely could be a bounce back game they won the game last week against virginia tech they held on they had a fourth quarter rally against the Hokies. but uh we'll see what nc state what nc state can do in their own ugly performance last week against wake forest who was bad last week as well yeah i mean wake forest could win because um the Demon Deacon offense won't turn it over eight times this week. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, I'll I take the under on the eight turnovers this week. Yeah, it's just like I, I mean, I, I understand. Like, we're we're we we live in a world where it's like, what have you done for me lately? In every aspect of our lives, to a certain extent. But I mean, there's there's no question in my mind. Wake Forest is better than their worst offensive or I should say ball protection performance. Um, The passing game still threw for over 300 yards against Louisville. The defense was okay, um, but they absolutely melted down. And it's it's really one of those blips on the radar where you go, okay, well, that happened, so we need to address it at practice. But it it, it just won't happen again this season. So they're a better team than that, um, and you can expect a much cleaner game against the Wolfpack. Second longest standing rivalry in the country. We don't think of Wake wow. and NC State as that. 130 years. <laughs> I mean, that is, that's a long standing rivalry right there. Now, the irony is with this game, I would say NC State's the most fortunate team in the country. So they've got six wins, but their win expectancy says three. And they're one in six against the spread against the FBS opponents. So when they manage up, 
It's been ugly. And again, at this stage of the season, the lines are about as sharp as they're going to be. And I kind of look for those outlier performances, like eight turnovers, which is like the ultimate outlier. Because what it does is it will carve out maybe a sliver of value in the market the following week to buy on that team. That being said, this line has curiously shrunk throughout the week. And it opened it. Actually, to be honest with you, it's kind of been on a roller coaster. I, I rephrase. It's curiously shrunk the last 24 hours. Where it was at four and a half, and now I woke up this morning and it's three. And that's despite a lot of the action coming in on weight. So reverse line movement, eh, doesn't really matter a whole lot to me anymore. It's kind of a, you know, you know pie in the sky. But it, it is interesting that despite a lot of people backing Wake in an obvious bounce back spot and an obvious spot where NC State's quarterback situation is, is a little bit, you know, in flux, it, it, we have seen this line shortened throughout the morning. That being said, NC State's defensive coordinator, Tony Gibson, has been in town for three seasons, and in the three games against Wake, he's allowed 123 points. The slow mesh has worked like Novocaine against this NC State defense, which historically during that time has been pretty good. They were a top 20 defense last year, and they still gave up 45 points to this Wake team. So we'll see what Tony Gibson comes up with today. We'll see if MJ Morris, who is the new starting quarterback for the Wolfpack, can play better than Jack Chambers. That's certainly a low bar. And of course, as Rich mentioned, I'll take the under on Wake's turnovers at seven and a half today. Yeah. That's the thing. When you look at the quarterback matchup, Sam Hartman's a very good quarterback yeah. at Wake. And you've got influx, as you said, Jarrett, with NC State. I, I favor Sam Hartman over influx. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know it isn't only that. Understood. But that's a big part of how you break down these matchups, even in college football, for sure. You, if you're NC State, you want to try to make this uh, a low and slow, low scoring and low slow and pace slow. game. You, you just have to uh, you rush the football time of possession you know long withstanding drives like you, you can't you can't allow your offense to go out there on the field and try something and hand the ball over after three and three and out it, it's just going to because wake is going to steamroll you points wise because they can score score in an absolute hurry so i, I mean realistically nc state they probably will give up a hundred yards rush. Well, the better than a hundred yards rushing on the ground, but they're going to have to find a way to slow down this this uh, this Demon Deacons offense because their score fast potential, their explosiveness is what you worry about if you're the Wolf Pack. But I think they'll be overwhelmed. I think it's going to be a more of an offensive game. And like you said, Brian, I mean, you trust Hartman over whoever. Mm. I- I'm glad you mentioned the the pace. Low and first of all, low and slow sounds like how I'm gonna, you know, slow cook my, you know, you know, pulled pork later. Yeah. Uh, but but besides that, the total in this game is intriguing to me because when we think wake, we think offense, we think not a lot of defense. Yeah. And yet the totals kind of hovering in the low 50s, and it's kind of taking a nosedive here into the 53 and a half, 53 range this morning. And if you want to say which type of game favors NC State, it is a game that's in the low 50s and not 44, what was it last year, 45, 41 or some absurd score like that. So that's kind of how you can 
deduce where the sports books feel this game might the pace might be played at with a total of 54 and a half. Now a lot of that obviously is the quarterback situation for NC State is very up in the air. And I, I think it's actually a detriment to MJ Morris, even though that he did get some really positive experience last week against Virginia Tech, led three touchdown drives, they won the game, they were down late. Now it's on tape. And we'll we'll see what Wake's defense comes up with. And I, I think it's a little bit of a of a hamper, you know, of a hindrance to him to have all that film on Morris because it should have been Chambers and then maybe they make the switch clean and Morris starts today and it's a and it's a clean slate. But they've got some tape on him, they know what to expect. But I think the total in this game's telling you that it's NC State's gonna be in it. Because at fifty four, I mean, you know, we're we're expecting a low scoring game, clearly. Hey, look, I hear you, and it's funny because we always try to put the puzzle together of, hey, what is the spread saying to us? Yeah. And it very well could be exactly what you said, Jared, in terms of this pace might favor NC State today. The odds makers and the betting public could be saying, yeah, we think NC's, uh, NC State's offense stinks and they're not going to score a whole lot of points, and, right? And it could be that too. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see how that unfolds. Okay. We are, again, off and running here. On a football Saturday, Rich Ornberger is our Penn State All-America. He's actually America's All-American over there. <laughs> Penn State is Mr. Universe. That is right. accurate. Jared Thank Smith you. from PicksWise.com. I'm Brian No. Coming up next, potential top 10 upset alert. Ranked squad might be going down against an unranked opponent. We'll dive into that. It's Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Kickoffs are coming soon, and we're leading you up to them. This is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Once again, here's Brian No, Rich Ornberger, and Jared Smith. Are you kidding me? Oh, approaching two hours until kickoff. Here it is, Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Presented by BetMGM. Let's dive into this. Check this out. Parlay Platter. Our Parlay Platter is brought to you by BetMGM. Earn a $50 bonus by signing into BetMGM and clicking on Refer a Friend to Invite a Friend. And in just a few simple steps, both you and your friend will receive a $50 bonus. BetMGM, the king of sports books, the king of parlays. You know, I was uh, I was playing craps yesterday, and it reminds me of you a little bit, Jared Smith, where, you know, you could play the hard ways for about 8 to 1, 10 to 1, or you could say, you know what, screw that. Give me yo 11 at like 15 <laughs> or 16 to 1. That's kind of what you're doing with the parlay platter here. We're bumping up the odds to about 24 to 1 today. Do I have that right? You do. First of all, I was playing craps yesterday, too. Craps what? is my favorite oh. game. That's really all I play. It's my favorite vibe of the entire casino. So one of these days, you're going to have to make it out here to beautiful, sunny Las Vegas, which has been a little nippier the last few days. Um, And we'll have to frequent one of the local shops, not the strip. We'll we'll take you to the cool spots off the strip, Brian. Love that idea. $10 crap games. On the strip, they make you pay $25. That's no bueno for me. You lose your money real fast there. All right. We're hopefully not going to lose our money with this parlay today. And you know what, guys? Man, I really thought we were getting home last week. We got the first two legs. We were waiting late night. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to fade Jimbo today, guys. <laughs> and I, I, 
I really, I, I really learned something about Texas A&M last week, and it was that they're not a very tough football team because the moment that they were actually pushed in that game against Ole Miss, they folded like a cheap tent. So we're going Florida money line today. And oh, by the way, I read this morning, and this is what actually got me to the window on this. I was going back and forth what my third leg would be. Apparently, and this is a quote from my favorite movie, My Cousin Vinny, the whole store got the flu. Texas A&M has a flu outbreak, including their quarterback, Connor Wigan. And we'll see if he plays, but I just don't feel good about a Jimbo Fisher team that is now tested with the flu. So we'll go Florida A&M, uh, Florida over A&M today. All right, the other two legs. Listen, this Texas Tech TCU game is a massive game for TCU, but obviously Texas Tech feels pretty good about themselves. And besides Texas, this Red Raiders bunch, the best graded out defensive unit in the entire state. So we'll see strength on strength. TCU's offense against Texas Tech's defense today. Max Dugan's a heck of a story, but this is about the time of year where Sonny Dykes coach teams kind of lay an egg. And I could see that happening today with Texas on deck for the Horn Frogs next week. Bit of a look ahead spot this week for TCU. Finally, the Super Bowl for the Dukes. James Madison University money line at Louisville. So we talked about this Wake Louisville game last week. We'll take the under on Wake turnovers. Well, we'll take the under on Louisville force turnovers at seven and a half. I just don't see them, you know, having that kind of performance again. And we're seeing the line creep down towards the Dukes with Todd Centejo we assume, back at quarterback. And that's why we're seeing this line move through the key number of seven. I'm seeing some six and a halves pop up. So I'll give it to you one more time. All money lines, all underdogs, Texas Tech, Florida, James Madison University. We're going yo 11, 24 to one, 50 bones, (laughs) pays out 1,200. Hopefully today's the day, gents. I love it. Hey, I hope it is. Hope it is. It seems like... What do you think, Rich, with TCU? It seems like each week we're like, is this the week they lose? Is this the week they lose? And they haven't. Maybe today's the day. What do you think? Yeah, it could be. I mean, although we feel the same way about Tennessee and they keep defying those odds, they keep going. Keep going. Absolutely keep going. You sound like a scorned lover with Texas A&M. A little oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we were home free. They were up 14-7. Gators. Gators. Oh, man, that parlay Gators. was cut home last week. Sorry about that, man. All yeah. right, coming up next, the biggest mistake and a total overreaction. We'll have it for you. Oh, welcome in here, everybody. Getting you all set for... Week 10 of the college football season. It doesn't even seem possible that we're in double digits already, but November is here, and we've got some tasty matchups, obviously headlined by number one Tennessee against number three Georgia. We'll get you into the the matchups here momentarily, but, man, one of the storylines of the week, one of the biggest storylines of Week 10 is what happened last week after Michigan beat Michigan State. Michigan State won the fifth quarter, if you will. Michigan State with the fight in the tunnel. And Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan head coach, very outspoken about there need to be, you know, actual criminal charges, that sort of thing. And I don't know about you guys, but I was really surprised or, I don't know, taken aback by the reaction because – there were numerous, you know, like these mailbags or you can see the comments at the end of a story. And there were many, many people calling for 
the season to be forfeited for Michigan State. And I'm like, wow. what are we talking about here? Like, you punish the players who did something wrong. You don't just forfeit the season. That's insane. But I heard that time and time again. What did you think about the fallout from the brawl last week in the Michigan State-Michigan game? Man, all right. Uh, I have so many thoughts about what we witnessed and the reasons why we witnessed what we witnessed. Like, uh, Harbaugh and Tucker are obviously fierce rivals in on and off the field. I mean, obviously on the field for obvious reasons, but also recruiting wise. Do you think like do you think that this is like they're they're exchanging pleasantries um, on the recruiting trail when, you know, Harbaugh or Mel Tucker are sitting in the living room of a recruit that's really having a hard time picking between Ann Arbor and East Lansing you think they're saying nice things about the other about the other school do you think that when this when this uh, competition uh, comes up on the schedule like the week leading up there's a lot of pleasantries shared about you know the Wolverines or or the Spartans both the answer is no I mean the head coaches and Jim knows this as well as anybody are as responsible for this sort of thing uh, as as anybody else, you know, as the players themselves. I mean, they're being incited into a frenzy. You know, this isn't just about football. This, uh, I mean, this is. This, I mean, this, this is a battle for your pride. You know what I mean? Like when you put somebody's, you know, entire identity on the line in a matchup, all of a sudden it becomes very personal. And when something's personal, like the things that I care about that I hold dear to my heart, my family, my closest friends, you'll go to war for those people. You will yeah. fight tooth and nail for those people because that is that that's a part of your core now, right? That's a you know, if you cut open, you know, the tree and you look at the rings, like the tightest inner spiral are those things that you hold dearest. And that's what these coaches try to incite in these players. So I'm not shocked by the fact that there was some melee in the tunnel afterwards. And I think it's actually somewhat reprehensible for Jim Harbaugh to be like, yeah, these all these kids should be brought up on charges of assault. Because quite frankly, it very easily could have been the other way around. And these are teenagers in certain cases who are involved in this incident. I'm not saying nobody shouldn't serve suspensions. I think suspensions are probably appropriate. And I'm not saying that if somebody didn't have some severe medical um, uh, uh, issue following this fracas, that there shouldn't be maybe stricter, stronger punishment following this. But both sides of this are to blame here, not just Mel Tucker's Spartan team, uh, but, but Michigan as well. Yeah, the people that are saying that the season needs to be canceled. Crazy. And again, it, it, you don't punish kids that had nothing to do with the fracas, as, yeah. as, as Rich put it. <laughs> it reminds me of, you know, it, you, you just, you, you, you have to punish the people who were punished, and then you have to move on from it. Like there, there's no, you know, nice way of doing it. You have, you know, people have to be held accountable for their actions. But I think anyone who wants Michigan State just to pack it in and say, see you later for the rest of the year. I think that's the wrong message because we like to overcome adversity and we like to show people that we're not our worst selves in our worst moments. And we're all human. We all have bad days. This was a particularly bad moment and we hope that we can move on from it amicably and learn from it. And that being said, 
Michigan State's got a game today against Illinois. This line's been kind of all over the place today, and I just don't know what kind of effort we're going to get from Mel Tucker's bunch. The numbers tell me Michigan State's undervalued at 17.5, and we've seen that number come down a little bit to 16.5 now. But there is an intangible to handicap today with this Michigan State-Illinois game that I just don't – I can't really wrap my head around. Yeah, that's where we're at. And Chase Brown just runs crazy. And so think about that. He's rushed for over 100 yards, Illinois running back, each game. And so when you're, you're wondering, and I'm on the same way, wavelength as you, Jared, what type of effort are we going to get from Michigan yeah. State? Are you into it? Are you kind of like, hey. could go either way, right? right like, I really could see could. it going both ways. It could galvanize. Yeah. Sometimes this adversity galvanizes really strong teams, but it could go the other way too. It could. And, yeah, it, Look, man, going back to the the brawl, I think going forward, because all the games today, they have the potential for something similar happening. I'm not blaming anybody. I was just surprised we saw one guy in maize and blue with no, yeah. no one around. No. Like, you wouldn't just go to a bad neighborhood and start talking trash by yourself. No. Like, like what are you doing? you got to travel in packs over here. Have your teammates around. And I'm not saying he got what he deserved or anything like that. I was just astounded. All you saw was a sea of white and green Spartan jerseys and one Michigan guy getting the business. You know, it's, I can't believe that happened. But, again, it's just we overcomplicate things at times. You don't punish the whole program. You punish the wrongdoers and you move on. Yeah. It's not that complicated here. And also, we're, we're talking about a gladiatorial sport. Now, I'm not saying yeah. anybody should be assaulted at any time off the football field, but we're talking about moments, moments following a game. You know, it, it's, it's just one of those situations where, again, when you are inciting this level of violence – from, from a program-wide pursuit in the first place, and that's on both sides of this battle, you're going to have sometimes flare-ups. And in fact, in the media, we love it when it comes close to the line and it doesn't cross over it. Like, I remember being a part of locker rooms where the media scrum swarms around the player uh, who got into it with the referee or with the other sideline right after the game to get a hot-tempered quarterback or defensive back who had a lot to say. You know, think about um, Richard Sherman, Michael Crabtree, right? Yeah. You know, like, you get that microphone on him immediately. We need to hear exactly how he feels in this moment because all of a sudden you have – you. You have uh, you have a story, and and that's what. So look, I, I mean, everybody knows what's what's happening. Everybody knows how important this is to these players. And and again, I'm not saying it's fair or it's even legal what we saw in the tunnel. But to your point, Brian, like if you are going to walk into a situation where you are going to, and and, and again, the blame isn't on the Michigan player. He's yeah. the one who, who was accosted here. But you're going to walk into a situation where you could potentially put yourself at risk of physical harm, may, maybe have a couple, of your, a couple of your guys around too to protect you if things go haywire. They absolutely did. And I think he's lucky that he wasn't injured further. I think those Michigan State players uh, behaved reprehensibly and should be reprehensible demanded for their actions but this is what happens in football you 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 try to you try to make a fury 
uh, pregame so that it's all unleashed during the, the 60 minutes of play. But it doesn't mean that ends there mentally for the players. You still carry some of that hatred and vitriol towards your opponents even well after the final whistle's blown. Yeah, vitriol is a great word for this. And I, 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 always, I, I always try to put myself in the mind. I've always wanted to be a player, right? Everyone wants to be out there and be on TV. But you try to put yourself in the minds of someone who is literally being asked to go to war against the other team. Yep. And I relate a little bit. I, I sympathize with those, you know, boneheaded penalties that occur because you're just so fired up and it just sometimes it all boils over. And obviously you don't want to commit this type of act or, you know, roughing the passer penalties and unnecessary roughness, those types of things that are all kind of in the same sphere as this. Now, obviously, this crossed the line to a to a terrible degree, but you it's you kind of relate they're 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 teenagers they're getting all fired up for these games it's your most hated rival and then it explodes the way that it does and now we're left to pick up the pieces that being said i think i'm of the belief growth mindset there's ways to prevent this and grow from it first of yeah. all can we figure out ways to separate these teams in the tunnel totally i mean yeah. we're in the 21st century for crying <laughs> out loud can we add a second tunnel to the stadiums like it just i feel like that's an easy fix and jerry crossing about it. Yeah, yeah, like something. Hold something. on. Hold, go ahead, Michigan. Go ahead. Get to the – all right, now it's your turn, Michigan State, right? Didn't something James like Franklin talk about this like two, three weeks ago? Yeah. Didn't we have a similar incident with Penn State? And it's like, well, history, if you, if you don't learn from it, you're doomed to repeat it. So I, I just – I feel like we can correct this so it doesn't happen again. But that being said, we do need to, you know, adjudicate appropriately based off of the results of a terrible situation. How about this, too, guys, switching gears a little bit. Michigan, they're fourth in the AP poll. They dropped a spot in the playoff rankings. The playoff rankings is the only thing that matters here. So Michigan is number five. And I guess if you step back from that and look at the broad view, not a whole lot of switching with the playoff rankings that were unveiled on Tuesday. It's the first. These are the initial rankings. Any big beefs? One of my coaches used to say – Questions, uh, criticisms, cuss words. <laughs> That's what he would say at the end of like, practice. But anything that LSU jumped up five spots, anything that stands out to you as uh, the committee's biggest mistake here with the first rankings? Yeah. Um, it, I mean, not really. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think overall, especially for an opening salvo, I don't think I don't think anybody really got left out in the cold that didn't deserve it. Um, it it's it's one of those things like, you know, does Georgia deserve to be three? Does Tennessee deserve to be one? I mean, what does it matter at this point anyways? They're still both in. And like you said, it's the top four that really matters. Um, Clemson, they've I mean there ain't no two, you know? So, I mean, you could make the argument one way or the other that flip-flop either of those teams. So, I, I, yeah, I guess, I guess in short, nothing really stands out as a huge miss here. This, this sort of feels about what you expected to see. The teams that are supposed to be in or have an argument to be in are in the top four. Uh, the teams that are just outside, you can make an argument or you could at least flip-flop one way or the other. Um, and then in terms of like the top 10, I feel similarly about that too. I mean, LSU sneaking in there over UCLA who drops a couple of spots down the board. 
strength of schedule, you could start using that argument there. So I, I don't think any of it's absurd. I don't. It's really hard to take these rankings seriously when, again, the number one team in them is an eight-point, now nine-point underdog today. Yeah. So very, very hard. We need an odds maker in that room. So instead of giving yeah. this committee their due, I'll give a shout-out to one of my Penn State group chat friends who sent me this nugget this morning. And by the way, Rich, they're your biggest fans. They're like, you get to do a show with a Penn State All-American. That's so cool. I mean, these are all the guys that used to get drunk in the stands at Beaver Stadium and watch you guys just push people around back in the early. 2000s. So every number one ranked team in college, actually Fox College Football tweeted this out just a little while ago and and my buddy sent it to me. Um, There's only been seven teams in the history of the college football playoff that have been ranked number one. LSU, Mississippi State, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, five SEC teams, Ohio State and Clemson. So it's the haves and the have-nots, right? And maybe that's why LSU got a little more love there in the top 10. They've been there before. They're in the conference, the conference, quote-unquote, and we're going to have two of those top 10 SEC games later today. The college football playoff, we'll call it the subcommittee, the odds makers, I think have a little more weight than the actual real committee, which makes the rankings, but we digress. Yeah, it's uh, to me... I won't bore you with 19 different thoughts. I'll try to keep it as simple as possible. It's just interesting that you can have a couple of different arguments that both make sense. And I think that's what we're getting here if you compare the AP poll to the college football playoff rankings. Where just look at the top. The top three teams are jumbled up between the two polls. Yeah. If you look at Georgia, they're number one in the AP poll. They're number three in the playoff rankings uh, below Ohio State, and it's kind of like if you compare Ohio State to Georgia, okay, fine, you can make an argument Ohio State is better or should be ranked higher, but I think it boils down to this, or LSU. LSU's 15th in the AP, 10th in the playoff rankings. So it's kind of like what what's so impressive about LSU in your eyes, playoff committee? Uh, but you can make a reasonable argument for either, and I think that it leads to this is why a 12-team playoff makes a lot of sense. The most obvious is Clemson and Michigan between four and five. Like, that's the cutoff spot. And it differs between the two polls. So, yeah, I think it makes sense to expand for numerous reasons. And I think how the AP and the playoff rankings differ is a glimpse into that. You can make a good argument for two very different things, both making sense. That's what we have right here. Yeah, that's a great point. And also, you would still have the urgency because at the top of that bracket, now you're talking about potentially if these bowl games or these first rounds of playoffs are played at home stadiums, now you're talking about having home field advantage or a top seed buy or a top couple seed buy. Like, there's still urgency if you expand this postseason. And then it gets more involved, like – You know, all of a sudden people are like, hey, we got to take a closer look at K-State. You know, they're really getting left out in the cold with this 6-2 and record. And if you hold that up against the Tigers, I mean, you can make an argument that maybe they should be 10 and be in. It's like, it's, it's, to me, that would be, those would be more fascinating discussions. Like talking about the difference between, you know, the 13th ranked and the 12th ranked rather than discuss, you know, geez, which one of Georgia, Tennessee, or Ohio State really belongs? in that top spot. I mean, I, I, I'll fall asleep during these arguments because who cares? <laughs> I, I think they're trolling us, frankly. A little bit. I, I think the committee knows that we get Georgia-Tennessee today and they want Georgia to have a chance to beat the number one team. 
And, and that's the only reason why Tennessee's won is because they're like, yep, Georgia's favored. They know. They look at the same odds that we do, I'm sure. And they're like, yeah, this will create some buzz if we get the first week. Boom, number one team goes down. And, you know, same thing for LSU, Alabama. LSU's not a top 10 team. Come on. I, I, I respect what Brian Kelly has done. They have had a really nice bounce back season after that opening game. But they are not a top 10 team. And they will be proven not to be a top 10 team later tonight. But it looks better when you see two top 10 SEC teams doing battle at night in Death Valley. So that's, again, the rankings are only worth the toilet paper that I used this morning to help clean up my dog's mess. That's about what it's worth. <laughs> I'm glad. It, I thought you were, you were zigging when you zagged. <laughs> well, I stopped myself. This is, a, yeah. this is a PG-13 radio show, not an R-rated, so I had to stop Very myself well done. there. I'm glad it was Fido and not, you yeah. know. Jackpot. Jackpot. Yeah. Good morning, hey, buddy. Every He's time you make a wager here. at BetMGM, you earn BetMGM rewards points that can be redeemed for things like free bets and risk-free tokens. They can also be converted to MGM rewards points that can be used towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resorts. Okay. We've got more matchups to preview here. We've got Rich Ornberger, Penn State All-American, Jared Smith, lead betting analyst from PicksWise.com. And I'm Brian No. Coming up next, if this game is on this guy's shoulders, things could get real ugly real fast. We'll dive into that. It's Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Welcome to the biggest tailgate party in the nation. You're locked into Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Touchdown! And it's presented by BetMGM. The king of sportsbooks. Once again, here's Brian No, Rich Ornberger, and Jared Smith. Ah, yes, only about an hour and a half until kickoff. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Guys, we were talking about if this game is on this guy's shoulders, things could get ugly. You could make an argument for either team. If you look at Clemson against Notre Dame, if the game is on DJ Uwe Ungolale's shoulders, that could be bad for Clemson. If the game is on quarterback Drew Pine's shoulders, that could be really bad for Notre Dame. And I'll start with that because, look, we know Clemson's defensive line can at, flat out get after it. And if Notre Dame struggles running the football, if you have more on, on Drew Pine's shoulders, that, that's just not a good spot for Notre Dame to be in whatsoever. Yeah, it's it's sort of it, it almost is like looking in the mirror at yourself playing uh playing each other in this matchup because I don't think either side to your point wants this game to be in the hands of their quarterback and I think <laughs> <laughs> I, the way you I, say that, just, it just, it's just yeah, a very well, interesting way to start the handicap. It's true, it, though. It is. I, I mean, if it comes down to needing your quarterback to win you the football game, I mean, which one of these two do you really put confidence in? And the answer is, for me, neither. Uh, so it's a, it's a tough game. It's a tough game to want to be a part of from a betting standpoint, in my mind. Um, but aside from that, it's a scary game to play in if you're Clemson because I, I, with 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 an offense that is really predicated around having a strong quarterback performance week to week, I don't I don't love their chances in any game 
because that that is a precarious situation you put yourself in. And DJU, as I like to call him, he's been up and down and inconsistent as you could ask a quarterback who really is the linchpin for offensive success in college football this year. Um, it's a tenuous place they find themselves in. Yeah, how often do we talk about a top five team with college football playoff aspirations? And Rich, you're 100% right, but the first word, the first line of the handicap is, yeah, I really hope their quarterback is not relied upon to win them this game. (laughs) It's such a departure from the norm of what the college football landscape is today, which is you can get away with a lot of other warts on your team if – your quarterback can, you know, cover up for them. But it's kind of the opposite here. So the first thing I'll do is I'll tell you my thinking. I'll give you a peek behind the curtain into how I initially thought about this game from a betting standpoint, and then I'll get into some of the X's and O's that we love. So I saw the initial line move off four and a half to four, and I thought to myself, wow, this is going to be one of those stinky, everyone really likes Clemson top five team against an unranked team, but the line's shrinking. So I got in front of that, and I bet two units on Notre Dame very early in the week. I want to say it was either Tuesday or Wednesday. And then I kind of watched and waited in the weeds, and I saw it go down to three and a half, and I saw it go down to three even. And I was like, whoa, we're on the right side of this. And then bang, very respected college football better, Brad Powers, gives out Clemson minus three, and now we're seeing it push back to four. And I think it'll close around three and a half. And I have been waiting for a moment to bet three on the other side and take, you know, you know, go with Clemson minus three and hope this is a close game and hope it's a, it either lands three or four and I'm on both sides of the market. I don't think it's going to get back to three because I think, you know, we saw the line in the sand at four and a half, very respected group offshore, and then at three from a very respected better here in, you know, in college football media landscape in, in the States. So I think we're kind of in that no man's land. X's and O's wise, I mean, it's pretty obvious that if Drew Pine or DJ Ua Ungalale, I'll actually try to say his last name. How'd I do, guys? Did I do okay? That was pretty good. That was solid. Not bad? All right, good. Maybe I got some, uh, I got some, uh, you know, play-by-play vibes going for me. Ua Ungalale. If if they have to put the ball in his hands a lot, it's not going to be a good day. And same thing for Drew Pine. This is a Notre Dame offense that's very paint-by-numbers. They like to run the football. They're very good at running the football. And, yes, Clemson's defense, we think – Defensive line, stout, all these things. Well, Syracuse, 52% of their runs gained five or more yards. Granted, they didn't run it a whole lot. Florida State also pushed around this Clemson front a lot in that game. So I could see a world where Notre Dame at home, bad weather, low total game, controls the tempo. Now, defensively for Notre Dame, that's where I'm concerned. And I, I know you've seen this, Brian, because you're very close to this program, but Marshall pushed them around. UNLV pushed them around. In the second half, BYU pushed them around. So lesser offensive lines than Clemson have had success against this Notre Dame defense. Stanford, Syracuse had some success. So we'll see what the defensive line situation looks like, what the scheme is. Do you stack the box, eight, nine guys on both ends? And this is, hey, DJU, Drew Pine, can you beat us over the top? I really like Notre Dame in this spot because it's very contrarian, but I'm very scared holding on to my plus four ticket. I've got my trigger finger ready to fire if I see a Clemson minus three. Yeah, I just, I hate to say it. I just don't love the matchup for Notre Dame because again, if the running game isn't strong and it was fantastic last week, they rushed for almost 250 yards against Syracuse. I hear you on Clemson's defensive line. They haven't been as dominant as we thought they would be against the rush. 
but they're not Syracuse. <laughs> they're not giving up about 250 against Notre Dame running the football today. So to get that chunk of yardage, it's going to be on Drew Pine. I don't, I don't have any confidence in the guy. He's not any good. He's not any good. There's a reason why Tommy Reese is yelling at him on the headset, like, do your freaking job over here. You're driving me crazy. Like, that's Tommy Reese each week with Drew Pine. Poor but Tommy say, Reese. Had a rough yeah. season. I'll say real fast with DJ Uwe, as I call him, it's crazy because two years ago he filled in for Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence had COVID at in the this time. game. In yeah. this game, and DJ Uwe threw for 439 yards and two touchdowns and looked sensational. And we thought he would be a version of Trevor Lawrence going forward. Maybe not the same dynamic, maybe a little bit more run, whatever, but still a dynamic college player. He's been more like Kelly Bryant, the former Clemson quarterback who huh. got replaced by uh, Trevor Lawrence. So we'll see. He turned the ball over three times against Syracuse and got benched. And you had Dabo Sweeney this week say it was like a pitcher. Like a pitcher gave up three home runs. We're not going to allow him to give up the fourth home run. But we have full confidence in the guy. It's like, that's well and good in baseball because it happens regularly. That's yeah, not there's 162 games in baseball. There's yeah, only a 12 football. In, in football. A little market for a little thinner. Very different deal in football. And so we'll see if DJ Uwe has that confidence if he has a couple of shaky plays. <laughs> Follow the money. Real good money. I want to welcome in Seamus McGee, team lead of sports trading at BetMGM. Seamus, welcome in, buddy. Hope you're having a good morning. Let's start off with the uh, Georgia line here. Georgia hosting Tennessee. What is the market saying? Where is the money heading into this matchup? It is extremely one-sided. It is almost exclusively Tennessee money coming in all week. Um we haven't really taken a ton of sharp action yet on this game, but uh, there's there's some sharp-ish money coming in on Georgia today. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where that line goes, but it's been just a whopping amount of of Tennessee money coming in today. Quick follow-up, Seamus, because this has been a hot topic on gambling Twitter for, it seems like, the last year or so. Reverse line movement. I'm of the belief that it is at least somewhat telling when you have, as we talk about, 90% of the handle coming in on one side and the line has moved in the other direction. But there are other very smart people whose opinions I respect who say reverse line movement is just, you know, phony baloney. What do you make of a line move where we see all this money coming in on Tennessee and all of a sudden Georgia goes from eight to eight and a half and now I'm even seeing nine in some spots? Does that hold any weight in your eyes as a bookmaker? It was a little bit of weight, in my opinion. I mean, we wouldn't be moving the line um, against this ocean of money if we didn't respect the opinions that were coming in from the betters that we let on. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways to win bets. Um, so it's not the be-all, end-all. You know, if you like Tennessee, you like Tennessee. That's, that's all there is to it. But I think there is a little bit of uh, weight that does come with reverse line, line movement, in my opinion. This total uh, in this Georgia game, I mean, it's, it's high, which I don't, I don't know if you're reading it the same way I am, but like it just sort of feels like if this is going to be a high-scoring game that favors the Tennessee Volunteers. But is, is that, is that a, a product of the fact that it, it feels like it's going to be a close game in Georgia, the fact that we're at 65.5 and, and rising? 
Well, people forget. I mean, Hooker's the Heisman favorite. The receivers for Tennessee are ridiculous. Georgia's just as explosive, if not more, than Tennessee on offense. Uh, Brock Bowers is incredible. Stetson Bennett's been having a really good year. They can put up points the same way Tennessee can. So I think that's really what you're seeing there with that high total, in my opinion. Seamus, you do a great job of what I would call picking out the sore thumb game. You know, meaning this this game, this line, this total just sticks out like a sore thumb. Anything that you're seeing today with all the games? Well, uh, I usually like giving you guys an FCS, FBS game, but there's none of those this week. Um, <laughs> but I need let's let's look at the Service Academy game at noon. Yes. Open thirty-eight and a half. Bet up to forty and a half. People are still betting the under. Army's defense is really bad. I've watched this Army team a lot more than I care to admit this year. <laughs> but they really, they really can't stop anyone, and their offense is really good. I think you could see some points in that game. I wouldn't mind hitting the over on that one. It's, it's weird in a service academy game, but I think this is a spot where I, I think you could, you could see some points. I won't give away the trend because we're going to get to it later in the show, but the trend is absurdly against what you just said. But listen, contrarian nature is the best way to find value, so that will be a fascinating game. So, uh, another game that really popped on my radar, and we're going to get to this game during my rapid fire, but I wanted to get your opinion on the line move. Texas, to me, now when I looked at some of the rating systems that have been doing well this year, Massey, Sagarin, they, they have Kansas State actually as a slight favorite here. And maybe some of that's Adrian Martinez baked in with Will Howard. We'll see what the quarterback situation is for the Wildcats. But this feels like Texas off the bye, Sarkeesian with some wrinkles, and that Texas defense. This line now getting to three feels like very bullish towards the Longhorns today. Texas has seemed like a very sharp side all season. Like ever since that Bama game, I think there's a lot of other rating systems that have Texas as like a top 10 team in the country right Mm. now. Um, so it's definitely interesting, but the, I'll tell you, with, I'll tell you this: the sharp money that we take, they they definitely like the Longhorns in this. Hey, uh, this this Alabama line, you want to talk about sticking out like a sore thumb? The fact that they're favored thirteen and a half. If I'm looking at the most recent odds, every every big game they've played in, they've played close. Is this really just to get the general public betting on LSU, or why do you think this number? As as is is slated almost two touchdowns. Well, the market pretty much opened at thirteen and a half, fourteen uh, on Sunday. It hasn't moved an inch, pretty much. Mm. What's interesting is this game. Bama was a seventeen point favorite on the road when this game opened up as a game of the year mm. um, in the summer. I, 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 in my personal opinion, I'm a little shocked. The number is still like honestly this low. I think it's a, in my conspiracy theory hats on. LSU is only number 10 in the country just so Alabama can uh, bump up their resume. But that's, <laughs> not really the, that's not really the point of the question. But, uh, I mean, yeah, not really any sharp money coming in. It's pretty balanced book, honestly, uh, from our side of the, uh, the counter. So, uh, yep, should be interesting to see. Seamus, you're the man. Always appreciate Great your job, time. Man. Enjoy the Army game today, among the other ones. <laughs> I will. Going to be a lot of points. Points, baby. <laughs> yeah. Service Academy and points don't go well together, but maybe today. Love that. <laughs> we'll catch you later, Seamus, man. We'll see you. All right. Hey, be sure to follow BetMGM across all socials at BetMGM. Coming up next, we've got Rich Ornberger, Penn State All-American. We've got Jared Smith from PicksWise.com. I'm Brian No. 
We have to get into a couple of the trends. One of the absolute insane variety that's on the way. It's Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Touchdown! Kickoffs are coming soon, and we're leading you up to them. This is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. The king of sportsbooks. Once again, here's Brian No, Rich Ornberger, and Jared Smith. Are you kidding me? Ah, yes, it is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Let's dive on in. Oh, yeah. Let's get trending. Oh, as if. I earned a $50 bonus by signing into BetMGM and clicking on Refer a Friend to Invite a Friend. In just a few simple steps, both you and your friend will receive a $50 bonus. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, the king of parlays. Let's get trendy over here. A couple of trends in college football we need to be aware of. You have the trend of trends here, Jared Smith. What is it? (laughs) And we're going to fade it today, which makes it even better. Um, Service Academy Unders, friends. We know about this trend. We talked about it a few weeks ago when Navy faced Air Force. Nine straight unders. 24 of the last 26. Big picture, the under is 42-9-1 in the last, my quick math, 52 games featuring the service academies. That being said, we're betting the over today in Army and Air Force. Get it in now. That's a we're gonna, crazy we're buck, the, 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 the trend ends today. Let's just leave it at that. Oh my God. I've got a couple for you right here. How about this one? So the two teams with the best against the spread records this year, Tennessee and Tulane. Both are 7-1 and one against the spread. And how about this one for you Penn State Hawks? You'll love this. Penn State under James Franklin following a straight-up loss, 8-22-1 against the spread. Ew. They're taking on the Hoosiers today. Do we take the points with Indiana? No. That's just gross to you. You can't. You yeah. can't. Can you? <laughs> you could. You could. Of course you could. Um, all right. I uh, Look, Alabama in, in many years uh, preceding this year has played big in big moments. But like I said, that's many years preceding this year. On the road at Texas, that was, I mean – down to the wire photo finish victory for the Crimson Tide, 20 to 19 victory there. Obviously, we saw the loss uh, to the Volunteers more recently, a 52 to 49 shootout. Uh, this, to me, this point spread stinks. I, I don't. I mean, we're almost up to two touchdowns. Like Seamus said, the line hasn't wiggled really; it stayed firm there. But in big games this season, the Crimson Tide has not played the way we're used to seeing them punish teams. So, I don't know. If you're following recent trends, this one sticks out like a sore thumb. I do like the sore thumb thumb talk, you know? Those games that uh, just stick out like that, no doubt about that. Are you thinking about taking the Hoosiers today, Jared Smith? Absolutely not. You know why? Uh, I have an Indiana under four and a half wins uh, season. Oh, yeah, you don't want that. That I'm feeling really frisky about if they can get that dub today. Hey, coming up next, if he's truly the man, this is the game to prove it. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Hope you're enjoying your football Saturday. We are less than an hour. Before kickoff over here, it is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. 
And I'll tell you what, the tastiest matchup of the day at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, number one, Tennessee. Number three, Georgia. Look, we all know about Georgia's defense. If Tennessee can't run the ball very well, you know, they're held in check. This is a Hendon Hooker game, and he has been sensational this season. But this is the prove-it game. If you are the Heisman winner, if you are the leader of a true number one overall team, I think this is the Hendon Hooker game. And as great as he's been all season long, he's got to prove it today against this Georgia defense, which is giving up 10.5 points on average per game. That's a different type of test right there. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, um, that this is important for his Heisman candidacy. This really does feel like the moment. Um, But frankly, I already – he has my belief because that is – A really good effort we watched two weeks ago against a Crimson Tide secondary, which is elite, and he exposed them. I mean, they they uh, they they threw for five touchdowns in that game against the Crimson Tide. So I think Hendon Hooker is the goods. I think this Volunteers offense is inarguably the most effective in college football right now. Well, I shouldn't say inarguably, but but it's up there. It is it is. I mean, it is as as close to as good as you could ask outside of the Burrow-led LSU uh, Tigers years ago. It's it's to me, it's that it's been that impressive. And so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you what you're saying about the importance of this game for him to win that award. But I, I think he's already proven enough that going on the road and playing out of Georgia, I mean, it's, it's, he's not going to be shy of that spotlight. We've watched him against Alabama in uh, the biggest game of the season up until this point, and he, he shines. So I, uh, I, I think that this is a good spot for Tennessee. Uh, I think this is the best defense they'll face this season most likely, but uh, but certainly have belief in Hendon Hooker. I can just picture Kirby Smart calling Nick Saban this week and saying, hey, former boss, coach, mm-hmm. uh, what shouldn't I do this week after what you guys did a few weeks ago defensively against this Tennessee offense? They gave up 567 yards, 52 points. How often does an Alabama defense get gashed like that? So we'll see. Again, I don't actually, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what Kirby and Nick's relationship is. But I'm assuming Kirby watched a lot of that Alabama game film this week, trying to learn what not to do against this Tennessee offense. Now, you do have a Georgia defense that I think is schematically maybe a little more buttoned up than Alabama is. Now, explosive plays, havoc plays defensively, that's not Georgia's calling card. Georgia's sturdy up front. They don't blitz a ton, and they try to get pressure with their front four and let their secondary, which, by the way, is a very good secondary, including their safety, Christopher Smith, who's one of the best safeties in the country. And if you were going to ask me what's one position that I'd like to be very experienced in facing a Tennessee defense that likes to spread you out and Hendon Hooker does all these crazy... It, it's the safety position. I mean, it's literally safety, safe. That's kind of the point of the position, right? So Georgia's, I think, pretty set there. We'll see what happens up front. We'll see if they can get pressure on Hooker. Again, I've been saying this all week. I've been beating this drum. It's not the Georgia defense that's going to win them this game. It's the Georgia offense. Stetson Bennett playing turnover free. We'll see if they can run the ball effectively. 
I think Kendall Milton is as healthy as he's been in the last few weeks. I like what I've seen analytically with this Georgia running game, averaging one more yard per carry over their last three games than they did in their first five. So set the tempo, control the clock, run the football, and then Todd Munkin come up with something, gimmicks, gadgets and gizmos, try to get your guy Brock Bowers on the edge and McCoskey. I mean, they've got some weapons. McConkey, excuse me. They've got some weapons on the outside. Georgia does. I know Tennessee is going to get all the attention offensively in this game, but I think Georgia's got some dudes that can stretch the field. So we'll see what that looks like on the other side for the Bulldogs. Well, I think what's so fascinating about football is that as the season goes along, sometimes your strengths are lessened or nullified in particular matchups. And if you look at Tennessee, they lead the nation in explosive plays. They have 36 plays longer than 30 yards. And so against this Georgia defense, I'm not expecting that to be nullified. They're going to probably have a couple of explosive plays today. But if they are relatively held in check with something that they excel in, are they still strong enough to beat Georgia? That's an interesting question. It's a little bit like the Kansas City Chiefs. Their calling card, especially last season with Tyreek Hill, the explosive plays. The season before that, before the too-high-shell defensive approach, right? Explosive plays. What are you when you don't have that in a particular matchup? And we're seeing the Chiefs are still really good. (laughs) Really good. (laughs) With Tennessee, with the Vols today, they've been so explosive. If they don't have those chunk plays in this game, which is a legitimate question, What are they offensively? Do they still have enough to get over the hump and win this game? I think that's a really interesting question today. You know, I I agree with you, but I will say a sneaky strength of Tennessee's team is that they rank second right now in rushing defense in the SEC and yards per play on the ground, which probably comes as a surprise to people who haven't really sat down and looked at the volunteers defensively. Um, but they're they're tied for the SEC lead in fewest rushing plays of 20 or more yards allowed, which has only been three on the season. So you just talked about how explosive this Tennessee offense and if they're limited, well, they've been doing that defensively in the run game against every team they face, and that is absolutely a strength of the Georgia's offense, Bulldogs offense. So I I think it's it's one of those teams, the volunteers, where the study is incomplete if you just look at their offensive side of the ball and say, Yeah, well, they're they're a really good offense, but what if? Because like the Kansas City Chiefs, and I love the comparison, defensively, they do things that people aren't paying attention to and really should. Yeah, I, Tennessee's defense could – just like I, – I, again, I think the, this game will be decided on that side of the ball. Georgia's offense against Tennessee's defense. I, I think we know we're going to get strength on strength on the other side. When it's – I don't want to call Georgia's offense a weakness, but comparatively to their defense, it's perceived as a weakness. But when you get weakness on weakness, that's where the variance comes in. It is interesting because Tennessee's numbers against the run have been good, but I think I can poke some holes in some of that um, just because of their offense is so good. Teams might be afraid to run against them because they're like, if we only run the ball and we don't pass and go up tempo and score a bunch of points, we're going to get buried by this Tennessee offense. So it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you run the ball and you're not successful, then you're just giving Tennessee exactly what they want, which is, you know, hand and hooker the ball. If you run the ball and you are successful, are you going to score enough points 
to, to outscore Tennessee. So it's a very fascinating dynamic with this Tennessee defense. Now, their explosive pass defense outside the top 80 in most metrics. They give up a lot of plays on the back end. And that's where, again, I think Todd Munkin is very creative And I think we're going to see a lot of jet motions and a lot of interesting formations. And it it falls on Stetson Bennett's shoulders, just like the national championship game. Can he play turnover free? He's at home. And again, he's facing a defense in the back that is not as aggressive as you would think. Although their defensive coordinator, Tennessee's DC, Tim Banks, does like to blitz. However, last week, all of the turnovers from Will Levis came from a clean pocket which I think speaks more to Will Levis's skill set than it yeah. does this Tennessee defense. I, I don't think we're going to see a similar storyline to that game where it was literally a, a, a brick wall. Will Levis looked like he was running into. I, I think Tennessee is, is, is going to struggle defensively in this game. Well, I like that you mentioned the forgotten man. You oh know, boy. you got to put the, the forgotten man, which is <laughs> like Stetson Bennett, right? Because we talk about George's defense. Maybe you mentioned like Brock Bowers, the dynamic tight end. But it seems like Stetson Bennett is on the outside looking in when it comes to a preview of a game like this. It's Hendon Hooker. It's the Tennessee offense. It's Tennessee's strength on offense versus Georgia's strength defense. But, but Stetson Bennett, like you mentioned, He's huge in a game like this today, and he might be the key. He might be the key in this, and I just think it's interesting. You put that together very well, Jared. You think about last week where Will Levis, he's the guy who might go in the first round when the NFL draft rolls around, and he couldn't do freaking anything (laughs) against Tennessee. I I hate to say it as a former Penn State guy, but if you can't beat out Sean Clifford, I'm sorry, you're not a first. Yeah, time. that's true. Yeah. Well, yeah, you have look. that, but but you do have their offensive line over there at UK is brutal. But put that to the side. Will Levis, he's got first round potential. Stetson Bennett doesn't. No, but Stetson Bennett might do quadruple in production than what Will Levis did last week. And it's just funny how Stetson Bennett seems to just slip through the cracks when we come to previewing a, a big game like this. Here we are mm. again. Well, what I'll say about Stetson Bennett is in this game, he can't be the reason why Georgia loses this one because, again, their run game is built off of – or I should say their passing game is built off their run game. So if they're doing a good job out of the backfield – Uh, establishing the line of scrimmage and getting some yards where they are in the run game, he can't have a two-interception performance like he did against the Gators. He just can't. You know, because I think if you give this volunteers offense who likes to go fast, um, you know, who likes to to get a a ton of at-bats, so to speak, uh, you're, you're, you're not going to have success. So, that's that's the one thing that having uh, not a weakness because I don't want to say Stetson Bennett is the reason why the Bulldogs will lose this game because I don't believe that's going to be the case. But if he becomes a liability throughout the course of this game, if he does throw one up to the Volunteers defense or a couple like we saw a game ago, that'll be a problem for the dogs. Yeah. And listen, he had some of those, you know turnover issues against Bama. I mean, this is as big of a game, not as big, but in terms of what is to come, if you don't beat Tennessee this week, you don't get that shot against Alabama in the SEC championship game, uh, you know, about a month from today. So this game will have those vibes. I think Stetson is going to be fine. I, I, I fully believe that there might be a turnover in the mix, 
but I think he's going to make a lot of really you know impressive plays today. And I like that he's the underrated of the two quarterbacks. I think that's where Stetson prefers it too. That's been his mo his entire career, even at Georgia. With even with Justin Fields, he might have not been the guy. You know, like there was there's been a lot of ups and downs with him throughout the course of his Georgia career. You know, receiver wise, I don't think they're as explosive as Tennessee. But we'll see if A.D. Mitchell's high ankle sprain is healed today. And I mentioned McConkey and Bowers, who I think are as good as you're going to see on this Georgia offense weapons-wise, and Kendall Milton being healthy is going to be huge. I think Georgia – listen, Georgia's a top-five recruiting class. I mean, they've got dudes too, and I know Tennessee gets a lot of attention on offense and very well-deserving. But do not overlook the dudes, the men that Georgia has on the offensive side of the ball. And they've got one heck of a coach that puts them in the right place. Todd Munkin, again, has excelled in these spots. Saw what they did last year in the Natty against Alabama. All of a sudden, throwing the ball down the field, and Stetson Bennett looked like Joe Montana. We'll see if that happens today. Hey, be sure to check out the new look and features in the BetMGM app. It's fast and easy access to the sports you love. Whether it's live betting, the daily Lions boost, or the cash-out feature, and new users can use the code COUNTDOWN for a special offer. That's code COUNTDOWN in the BetMGM app. We still have a lot to do here. We've got Rich Ornberger with us, Penn State All-American. Do you have any other skills here besides football there, Rich? You know, you're great at curling or tennis or anything like that? I like to cook. You like I'll, to- make yeah. you, uh, I'll make you some mean deviled eggs or a rack of ribs. I mean, yeah, I can get it. I could throw down in the kitchen. Love that. like you that. eat this. We've got Jared Smith, lead betting analyst from PicksWise.com. How about you, Jared? What, what's the uh, off-the-radar skill that you possess? That's a great question. Golf. Golf. Used to be. Haven't Golf. played as much this year. Spending too many Saturday mornings with you fine gentlemen. Golf craps, <laughs> you know? Oh, play yeah. the field, Cra- little craps six and eight here Craps is not a skill. Craps is an obsession. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brian No, hanging out with you too. All right, coming up next, both of these teams have had goofy results this season. Which should make for an entertaining game today. We'll tell you about that. It's Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Welcome to the biggest tailgate party in the nation. You're locked into Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff. Touchdown! And it's presented by BetMGM. The king of sportsbooks. Once again, here's Brian No, Rich Ornberger, and Jared Smith. Uh, we are quick math. Let's hit 30, 40. We're less than 40 minutes away until kickoff over here. It's Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff presented by BetMGM. New users, download the BetMGM app today and use code COUNTDOWN for a special offer. That's code COUNTDOWN in the BetMGM app. Let's dive into this. Let's go! Big 12 matchup of the day. Okay, the Big 12 matchup of the day, ranked versus ranked. Number 24, Texas at number 13, Kansas State. Some goofy uh, results for both teams here. How about this with Kansas State? So they had TCU, had them a couple of weeks ago, and then let them off the hook. But last week, they beat Oklahoma State 48 to nothing. So K-State with Deuce Vaughn, they had it rolling last week. Texas has been a little bit goofy, played Bama tough, had a couple of weird losses. They had the game against Oklahoma State on the road, lost that one, and a couple others. Texas is 5-3, and three, so this could be a wild one. 
We've got K-State. They are a home underdog. How about this? Texas getting some love. What do you think about this matchup, guys? Texas at Kansas State. Well, I, I think the one matchup, and it's not really a matchup, but we call it that, right, when we're talking about the two opposing quarterbacks that you have to watch are the two opposing quarterbacks. And Adrian Martinez, whether or not he's going to start, uh, the word is that he's getting closer and closer. We know college football. If Martinez is going to be the guy, we're probably not going to know until pregame at the soonest. Um, so there's that. And then you look on the other side, you know, they're locked in Texas at starting Quinn Ewers, but he hasn't quite lived up to the hype after being one of the highest rated recruits in college football history. Um, he's graded low on the season. He's probably, you know, a middling quarterback if we're being realistic in college football. You know, if we're grading the 130 starting college football uh, QBs heading into this uh, he heading into this week. So, so it's going to be interesting. I think I, I, I honestly and and obviously. Who, whatever team's quarterback plays the best is going to win this matchup. I think it comes down to quarterback play here. Yeah, fun game at uh, the Bill Snyder Family Stadium tonight in the Little Apple night game in the Little Apple. But I think their Kansas State's defense going to need a family of, of defenders to shut down Bijan Robinson. I don't know if you guys like a little Bijan oh, sauce on your sandwich here, but Delicious. this seems like. It's going to be that kind of game. He's 80 yards short of a thousand, a dime piece. He continues to uh, show people why I think he's the best running back in the country, and that's going to be the tone setter for Texas today. The quarterback situation for Kansas State is intriguing. I'll be honest, though. I don't think it really matters to me in terms of handicapping this game if it's Martinez or Howard. I think those two are comparable enough to where I feel really confident that Texas's defense, which, by the way, I know we love offense, and we talk a lot about offenses, and if it's not a Georgia-led defense, then maybe the defenses get kind of brushed under the rug. This Texas defense, with Pete Kwiatkowski, the D.C., of course, comes over from Boise State and Washington under the Chris Peterson regime, the architect of those great defenses. He's got a few more chess pieces on the board at Texas than he did at Washington and Boise State. And we're starting to see that defense now in year two really come to fruition and, and really become one of the more formidable units in the country. And of course, this year, the added wrinkle is Gary Patterson, the great TCU coach who's known for his defensive schemes, comes in as the special assistant. Lord knows how much he money he's getting to maybe work one or two days a week. But Steve Sarkeesian now has two really experienced defensive coaches, so he could just worry about the offense. And oh, by the way, Texas off the bye. Maybe we'll see some wrinkles this week with Quinn Ewers and that offense with an extra week to prepare. So I love this spot for Texas. I think the line movement now to three is telling us Texas is the sharp side. Our friend Seamus McGee confirmed that for us in our last hour. So this seems like one of those spots for Texas where we're kind of buying low as a slight home or a slight road favorite, even though my numbers, if Martinez plays, say Kansas State maybe deserves to be a favorite based on what they've done this year. I love that running back matchup. Deuce Vaughn, yeah. John Robinson. Yeah. That's fantastic. They both get it done in very different ways. You know, Deuce Vaughn is a much smaller guy, obviously, than Bijan, but very, very effective. So that'll be fun to watch as well. I like, I like this quote from Steve Sarkeesian, the Texas head coach. He said this week, I think we've got a team that's committed for the final month 
of the season. It's like I would hope so, Coach. Why? <laughs> five and three. You better hit some. Uh, you you, yeah. you better be committed, or else you're going to be you know quickly on the uh, what's the the Alamo Bowl circuit coming up in a few yeah. weeks. Yeah. Oh man, I would hope that's a given right there. We'll go quickly here. We'll stick with the Big Twelve. I like this matchup as well. Texas Tech at number seven, TCU. TCU, a lot of offense. Average about 518 yards per game. And how about this? TCU against the spread. They've been very good. Third best cover percentage in FBS. They are 6-1-1 one one against the number this year. They're going up against Texas Tech. Texas Tech is 4-4. Four and four. Kind of a hard team to figure out, at least results-wise this year. Little Jekyll and Hyde. But TCU favored by eight in the hook at BetMGM. What do you think about TCU's chances to remain undefeated here, Rich? The Horned Frogs, um, who initially are snubbed in these uh, college football playoff rankings. I think they have a ton to play for. I think, you know, very similar to how we were talking about LSU sneaking into the top 10, maybe the goose. The Actually, was this Seamus McGee's conspiracy theory that maybe LSU sneaks into the top 10 yeah. to goose yeah, the Yeah, and uh, he's right. They're, the they're trolling us. Yeah, they are yeah. trolling us by putting these matchups and making you know Tennessee one too. That's another troll job. Yeah, I I I love I love in fact the intrigue that it creates around this game with TCU taking on Texas Tech because I think it's going to make a Horn Frogs team even hungrier heading into this one. The offense is going to be a problem for the Horn Frogs though. Um, this D doesn't really stop anybody. Uh, but yeah, this should be this should be a high scoring affair. And if you're asking me why uh, TCU will win. It's got three viable options offensively to go to and I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking it's very possible that we see the the undefeated path continue for TCU after after this matchup. Thankfully I didn't give this play out on the show last week but I did bet West Virginia plus seven and a half. We have a college football contest here in town. That that was one of my picks. That was one of the worst beats that I've experienced in quite some time. <laughs> I don't know if any of you watched the end of that TCU West Virginia game, but there's about 30 oh, seconds that was left. Rough. It's yeah. fourth down, and TCU yeah. throws a hail mary. Mm. Just and the guy catches it, and 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 I'll won't you know go from there but it was a really rough beat so what i'm trying to say is i think the gambling gods are against tcu today and when you've (laughs) angered the gambling gods i don't want to be on that side of the margin so we all know that my parlay platter does have texas tech i I bet texas tech it won't be one of my rapid fire picks not one of my best plays today but I, I do think Texas Tech, if you can get nine, nine and a half, that's great. My buddy here in town got 10 very early in the week. It's significantly lower now. But this is strength on strength. Texas Tech's defense is a very formidable unit. Besides Texas, they have the best defense in the entire state. And I know there's some bad teams in the state, but there's some good ones too. TCU, of course, being one of them. And, of course, TCU's offense being that formidable unit that we're very excited to watch on a weekly basis. This just comes down to scheme. I think... Texas Tech understands how to at least slow down this TCU offense. And this is a Sonny Dykes coach team that I think has shown some, you know, distract. They're they're a little bit vulnerable to distractions. And they've got a big one next week. It's the Longhorns. And it's arguably the biggest game of the year. I just, I would not be surprised if we didn't get the best TCU today. If we get the best TCU on offense today, Texas Tech doesn't stand a chance. But my guess is 
we're going to start to see some of those look-ahead vibes seep in. And if Texas Tech's in this game, they're feisty. They've already got a couple of upsets on their resume this year. I, I think the Red Raiders hang around here in this spot. I always like to talk about value. If you can get the Red Raiders plus eight and a half, maybe plus nine and a half good value. If you can get Isaac Lohenkron for a good two minutes or so, excellent value. That's what we have right here. I love So many the ways latest. I could take that. So many directions I could take that. <laughs> I was meeting for sports updates, Ilo. Yes. Oh, so, sorry. What, what are you talking specific, about? So was I. Get your specific, mind out of the gutter. Specifically sports updates. Oh, somewhat yeah. along those lines, coming up we have an NBA profanity update, allegedly. First, the action on the court on Friday night. The Milwaukee Bucks improving the 8-0, thanks to a Giannis Antetokounmpo triple-double. They won at Minnesota 115-102. to Antetokounmpo, 26 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists. Milwaukee, the NBA's only undefeated team. Utah improved to 7-3. They beat the Lakers in Los Angeles 130-116. to Lakers now 2-6. The extremely shorthanded Golden State Warriors. How shorthanded? No Steph Curry, no Klay Thompson, no Draymond Green, no Andrew Wiggins. They lost to New Orleans 114-105. to They are 0-6 on the road this year. Portland's Jeremy Grant hit the game winner at the buzzer to give the Blazers a 108-106 victory at Phoenix. Dallas held off Toronto 111-110. Luka Doncic scored 35, the eighth straight 30-point game to open the season for Doncic. Now, after that same game, Dallas's Spencer Dinwiddie accused official Tony Brothers of referring to him in a profane way after he assessed him a second-quarter technical foul. Dinwiddie said that a teammate told him that Brothers referred to him as a, quote, B dot 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 A dot dot with me so far, guys? Yeah. M dot 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 <laughs> F dot 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 uh, unquote. Can right. I buy a vowel, Isaac? <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, you, you, you can buy a vowel, but we might have to delay delivery on that that's for a while. Fair. So uh, that's uh, what uh, what he said he referred to him as. And Dinwiddie added, I'm not even mad at the language. Just say it to my face is uh, mm. what Dinwiddie had a problem with. Now mm. back to three guys who were <laughs> B dot 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 A dot 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 M dot 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 F dot dot dot. But that stands for brilliant, amazing, mellifluous, and fun. Back to you guys. Man, that's great. Thank you, Isaac. Mellifluous. <laughs> you said that? Awesome. It's Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff presented by BetMGM. How about this? Florida State against Miami. Ooh. It's funny, Jared. We're talking about like kind of like Lollapalooza, the lineup. And you think that the games today where, you know, uh, Georgia hosting Tennessee, that's the headliner. And you you look at LSU hosting Bama. That's another big one. This Florida State-Miami game, Rich, you know this. This was huge. This is the, oh, by the way, shoulder shrug game. Like, I don't know if I have a screen available in primetime for Florida State-Miami with the other games going on. And I also think this about Mario Cristobal. He's in his first year with Miami. I think it's a little bit like dumping your girlfriend and then seeing your ex just flourish. Wouldn't that feel a little (laughs) bit weird? That's got to be how Mario Cristobal feels. He dumps Oregon. Goes to his alma mater, Miami. I get it. He's an offensive lineman there. 
Miami stinks. They're four and four this year. And Oregon's a top 10 team. That's got to be a little bit weird for Mario Cristobal. Yeah. Yeah. No question about it. Um, you know, I, in terms of Miami, I think overall so far this season, defensively, uh, they've done a nice job stopping the run. Um, but you could make the argument also that the Hurricanes haven't really faced a running ta- a running attack anywhere near what they're going to see today at Florida State. And it is an oh-by-the-way game because very similar to a Michigan MSU game that resulted in a fight in the tunnel, this is a bitter rivalry between these two programs. So uh, an exciting game. Uh, I think it's really going to come down to Miami's defense being able to slow down the run game of Florida State. But uh, but yeah, in, in a kind of uh, action-packed college football weekend, this one gets sort of tossed on the side burner, and this could end up being one of the best watches of the weekend. I love this game. So, I, I fun fact, I was born in New York City. When I was five, I moved down to South Florida, and I grew up in this part of the country. I have a lot of close family friends that went to Florida State, went to Miami. My mom went to Florida. So, this rivalry does kind of hold, you know, tug on my heartstrings a little bit. And it's, it's an angry rivalry. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of pride. First of all, the recruiting trail in South Florida and, you know, all over the state is so competitive. These kids have all played against each other way before they've gotten to this point in their career. So there's some starch to this rivalry even before these kids step on a collegiate field. But when we look at these two teams, I'll be honest, Miami is, is, in, is in bad shape. And I was never a big crystal ball guy at Oregon. I, I think he was holding that program back for years. And he gets to Miami, and the first thing he does is he hires Josh Gaddis, who is just a disaster at offensive coordinator. We know him very well from our Penn State days, Rich. Oh, yeah. And the, 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 the funny thing about Josh, last week he went, and it's a subtle coaching move, but it's something that you know one of the podcasts I listened to pointed out this week, and I didn't notice it until they did, and then I kind of looked into it. So Josh, the offensive coordinator, went from the booth to then the field. And it just did not help Miami at all. And I, when you make a move like that, it kind of shows a little desperation because you're used to your routine. You're in the booth. You're calling your plays. You got your guys next to you. And then all of a sudden, you switch that up and you go down to the field. And it, you know, Miami scored 14 points in four overtimes. They were very fortunate to win that game against Virginia. So I just I don't know what we're going to see Miami-wise on offense. Now, Florida State on offense. Guys, Jordan Travis is having a heck of a year. And this Florida State wide receiver group is a top five group. Very underrated wide receiver room. Very underrated Florida State offense. The question is, can Jordan Travis stay upright? Florida State's offensive line has struggled. They've been banged up this season. And the one thing Miami's defense does well, top 20 in sack rate. They get after the quarterback. So that's kind of the game within the game here. If Florida State's offensive line holds up and Jordan Travis has time to push the ball down the field to this great wide receiver group, it could be a very long day for a Miami team that has not covered against an FBS opponent all season. And their wins, Bethune-Cookman, Southern Miss, Virginia Tech, UVA. Yikes. Mm. Not a great year for this Hurricanes team. That is rough. We got a little bit of time. Let's dive into this. Not live yet, live betting. Okay, we're looking for, when these games do kick off, in-game opportunities. So, anything you have circled here, Jared, any game that you think, hey, if things break a certain way, might be able to take advantage of it betting-wise. Can I be honest, and this is the first time we've had this, we have college football happening right now. 
Oh, yeah. Isn't the Army game live betting happening right now, Army and Air Force? So I'll give you this because I can't give it to you as our play of the day because the game already started. If this game starts a little sluggish, I would jump on the over. Because I do think we are going to see points. Air Force's offense is kind of like Novocaine, and Army's defense has been susceptible to the run. So I've got my eye on it right now. It's only a couple plays in, so not really anything to go off of yet. But let's say a couple of punts early, first quarter, it's 3 nothing, and the total goes from 40 all the way down to 33. I would absolutely consider betting the over here in this spot. Mine is, uh, look, I, it's not going to be a part of my uh, rapid-fire uh, and any of my three and so I've been sort of pounding this when we talk about other plays that I would be willing to make Alabama at LSU this line stinks to me the fact that Alabama is favored by almost two touchdowns at 13 and a hook right now I think it's going to be a close game so if somehow they have a fast start in the first quarter and that line moves you could gobble up some points on the LSU side, okay. um, improve your uh, improve your odds of getting the win. I, 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 yeah, just something about this reads close game or potentially upset. Um, yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at. I like what you're thinking there, Rich. I like that you're thinking about getting even more points for right. a big underdog. Yeah, sometimes that's very profitable. How about this one? A little random. I'll take it to the Pac-12. Oregon is favored by over 30 points against Colorado. Oregon should be up by a lot in the fourth quarter. And they're going to pull everybody who's anybody. And you might be able to get some value on Colorado. Because, again, this is a pride thing. You know, Colorado might have some of their guys still in the game as Oregon puts their total fits, you know, Oregon up by 40 you might, believe it or not, get a little bit of value on the buffs plus whatever the number is at that point. So I would keep your eye on that game in the fourth quarter. Maybe look to Colorado. That would be kind of crazy, but I think it could cash. Could. You're going to love my, my rapid fire set. <laughs> oh, really? I can't wait. I can't wait for that. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm hit, looking hit, forward nudge, to that. nudge, nudge. Yeah. Can't Maybe. wait. I got to know which one you're going with. Is it Colorado or uh, Oregon? We'll find out very soon. We've got Jared Smith from PicksWise.com. He's their lead betting analyst. Rich Ornberger, Master Chef, Penn State <laughs> All-American. <laughs> I'm Brian. No, by the way, I have singed. This is my calling card now, Rich. When I lived in Portland, it's a, yeah. little, it's a little cool over there in certain months. And so I would start to grill a steak on the back porch and I'm like I'm not sitting out here babysitting it the whole time I would forget about it <laughs> I've singed so many steaks it's just it's terrible it's terrible not good not good yeah, yeah I'll, I'm gonna have to smoke you guys a rack of ribs here one of these days uh, please do I'm coming yeah, to San Diego after yes! football season yes! there you go yeah yes! make it a trip man yeah it's that on the list awesome. it's on the list love it okay so Rich Burger, Jared Smith I'm Brian No. Coming up next, it is the moment of truth. Rapid fire. We'll all have three picks against the spread. Also, Jared's play of the day. Looking forward to that. It is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Touchdown! Kickoff. 
playoffs are coming soon, and we're leading you up to them. This is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. The king of sportsbooks. Once again, here's Brian No, Rich Ornberger, and Jared Smith. Are you kidding me? Uh, it is Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM. Just about 10 minutes until kickoff here. want to thank the crew. Isaac Lohenkron, great on the updates. Rob Guerra, our guy in for Ryan yeah. Persinger. Trusted producer today, the future Laker. And Iowa Sam, our technical producer. Best in the business. Coming up next, up on game, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, Plexico Burst. Get you all set for a huge football weekend. It's the moment of truth. Let's do it. Rapid fire. All right, looking for three picks against the spread. We'll start with you, Jared Smith. What do you think, buddy? Well, 3-0 last week, guys. Starting to get hot. 16-11 and on the year. We'll see if we can't keep it going. And I teased this in the last segment, but we are taking the points. All of those points, all 31 and a half of them, with Colorado today. Be careful with Road Bo Nix. Now, it, ah. listen, this is a spot in Oregon's schedule where they've had some big games, weeks leading up to it, and they've got two huge games on the horizon, Utah and, of course, Oregon State, the final game of the year. This is kind of that soft underbelly of their schedule where I can see them just kind of coasting. This isn't the end-all, be-all for my handicap, but the transitive property of college football. Colorado beats Cal by seven a few weeks ago at home. Last week, Oregon only just squeaked by Cal by 18. I think 31 and a half. Again, my number has this around 26. I will take the points with the buffs. Texas, horns up, baby. We talked about this game. I love Texas's defense. I love Steve Sarkeesian off the bye. And I think they control Deuce Vaughn. I really don't care who plays uh, quarterback for Kansas State today. I think Texas gets the win. And it's a pros versus Joes game. I want to be on the side of the pros. I am laying it with Georgia. I got eight. I would lay it up to ten. Maybe nine is probably where I would feel safe, safest. But I, I just think Georgia's offense is going to control the tempo in this game and really push Tennessee's tempo. So we'll take Georgia minus eight. Wow. For the first time, we go head-to-head, Jared. Oh, boy. And I'll give you my overall record first, 11 and 15. So not as good as yours. One and two last week also. Not as good as the heater you went on. But, yeah, Tennessee getting spotted eight and a half on the road at Georgia. This feels like it's going to be a close game. And because if it's going to be a close game, I actually love the eight and a half the volunteers are getting. But beyond that, if it's a close game, it fast, in my opinion, that a lot of points need to be scored, which is why I'm saying this game goes over 65 and a hook. Uh, also, the Gators are one and four in conference play. That record's a little misleading. Three of the four teams Florida's lost to rank in the top 15. The program has a win over a top 10 team in Utah. I like the Gators outright, so I love the three and a half they're getting at home. Man, we have no hurry-up offense with you guys. So wordy over here. <laughs> I am going Kansas minus one today. I'm going Tennessee. Give me the eight and a half. Hendon Hooker wow. doesn't turn the ball over. Give me the under in Oregon, Colorado. It stinks to the high heavens. I, I think it goes under. All right. Give me your play of the day. We don't have time for a stager here, Jared. Texas. I, I was going to give the over in this uh, Air Force Army game, but it already started. We'll go with Texas. Horns up, baby. There it is. All right. No time for words. Enjoy the ball. 